Well, good morning, everyone. Um, this morning, uh, we will be focusing on a passage from uh, 2 Corinthians. So if you'd like to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So, I hate it when people say it goes without saying, and then they say the thing that goes without saying. But it goes without saying uh, that there's a lot of turmoil in the world today. And um, I'm not certain that it's any more than in the past, um, but it always seems constantly in your face. We have a 24-7 news cycle. We have social media, we have all these things, and so it, it just seems maybe ever-present. Um, I'm sure that most, if not everyone here, has had the same experience over the past year where regardless of who you're with, the conversation will eventually end up on one of two things, either the pandemic or current politics. And this message is about neither, so that's all they will be mentioned this morning. Um, as believers, we know that suffering, trials, and affliction are present realities because the world is cursed. So, uh, just as reference, if we turn to Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So, as believers, we know that the present reality is it's a cursed world. So, there will be trial, there will be suffering, there will be all of these things, and that's the status quo. It's a cursed world. I've heard it said that this present world is as close to heaven as the unbeliever experiences and as close to hell as the believer experiences. Um, that's not a biblical saying, but I think it, 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 it captures a biblical truth. The believer knows that the world is cursed. The believer knows that even in the best day here, it has been tainted by sin and is a mere shadow of a moment in the presence of God. So although this introduction might make it appear that I am here to uh, talk about a message about Christian suffering and trials, I'm actually going to go in a little bit of a different route. Um, I'd like to take a, take a deeper look at the antidote to suffering, comfort. So let's read through 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7 again, and look for the general theme of that passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction 
with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So as I went through that, I counted uh, the word comfort ten times in that passage. Um, As far as uh, suffering, it's only like three. Affliction is three as well. So... The, I think we can easily surmise that the, this passage here, uh, the theme is Christian comfort. Uh, now, I, I will admit that I can be a little uneasy when thinking about being comfortable. And the comfort here is not talking about a life of ease. That's not the word here. The, the word is paraclete, and it is a coming alongside, a comforting. Um, it's not kicking your heels up, living on the beach every day, not doing anything. That's not what it's about. It's about bringing comfort to somebody, coming alongside. Be that as it may, um, it's a little uneasy, excuse me, sometimes thinking about being comfortable. Um, Many of my favorite truths spoken by Christ involve suffering for his name. Uh, Take up your cross daily. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Um, Sometimes it can feel that I'm not exceedingly Christ-like unless I'm experiencing some level of suffering. There are also the warnings about being too comfortable and falling asleep to the present reality. So I understand an apprehension to discussing comfort. However, it's clear in this passage that Christian comfort is real, it's important, and it's worthy to discuss. So today I've broken this passage down to three Three basic questions. Who comforts, how does he comfort, and why does he comfort? So we'll go through that today. So the first part is who comforts. If we look at uh, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So who comforts? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I'm probably going to embarrass some of my kids today, but uh, uh, when my daughter Alexandra was maybe two to three years old, one of her friends called her Zanna because she couldn't say Alexandra. And then when she would refer to me, she would call me Daddy Zanna. (laughs) And sometimes her parents still jokingly call me that today whenever they say, hi, hi, Daddy Zanna. Um, But the reality was that to this little girl, I wasn't Darren or Mr. Thornhill, but I was Alexandra's daddy. That's how she related to me. So the few times that the moms were doing something and us dads were left to watch the little ones, I could provide comfort to them, uh, to this little girl, if there was a bump or a bruise, because she knew Zanna, and by extension, she knew Daddy Zanna. And that's somewhat of a simple illustration of a deep truth. The God of all comfort is Jesus' daddy, Abba Father, his, his father. And so um, Andrew has given several messages recently on God the Father, so we don't need to really take a deep dive into that today. Um, but I would like to look at a couple passages regarding God as the Father of Jesus that I hope will facilitate this discussion today. So if we look at Hebrews 1, 1 through 5. 
It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than, their, than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you, or, or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So that means if we want to know who the Father is, we look to Jesus. Um, I'm going to turn to John 8. Uh, you don't have to turn there. Verses 18 through 19. This is Jesus speaking. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Unbeliever, you cannot know the God of all comfort because you do not know Jesus. That's the reality, and it's heartbreaking. The unbeliever looks to all the pleasures of this world to find comfort, and its end is death. Just look at the book of Ecclesiastes. It's all chasing the wind because it's temporary and it's not real. A lifetime of grand achievement can be destroyed by a single failure. Uh, all we have to do is look at the many actors or sports legends that have fallen to suicide or drug use when their careers are over. They're looking to temporary comforts that are just chasing the wind. But for the Christian, you know the God of all comfort because you know Christ. His comfort is abundant and it's eternal. It's true comfort because of who it comes from. So many of you know a couple weeks ago, um, Angie had to take me to the ER uh, on a Monday morning because I was having serious pain in my abdomen and it began spreading up to my chest and by the time we made it to the hospital, my arms had gone numb, and I could barely stand up. And I don't know how many of you have ever used uh, WebMD to self-diagnose, but uh, I can't really recommend that um, because it seems like uh, whatever symptoms you type in, um, there's like a hundred different things that overlap, and none of them are good. And so um, after typing in a bunch of symptoms, I'd come to the conclusion that I was having a heart attack. Um, and given my family history with, with heart issues, I thought that was a, a likely occurrence. Um, they will get you in quickly when you get to the ER if you say, I think I'm having a heart attack, just letting you know. Um, but an EKG and a CAT scan uh, later led to the doctor diagnosing me with kidney stones and not a heart attack. Um, now, the diagnosis didn't take away the immediate pain. It was the most pain I'd ever been in my life. But knowing the truth about what was causing it and that it would pass brought me comfort through the pain. 
I knew it wasn't life-threatening. I, I knew it was something that I would work through. It was painful, but I knew, I knew what was going on. Christian, the God of all comfort has given you the true diagnosis, the only cure in his Son, and an awaiting eternity in his presence. It's yours right now as much as it is in the future. That is comfort in full abundance. So who comforts? The God of all comfort, the Father of Jesus. How does he comfort? So if we look back at verse 5 again, it says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So I'm going to focus on three general ways God provides comfort through Christ. And um, this is in no way meant to be an exhaustive list. It's just for the sake of time and, and pointing out some, some general things. But the first is the believer has the word of God. So if we have Isaiah 40, we look at Isaiah 40, verse 1 through 8. says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries, a voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Christian, you should be comforted that God's word is eternal because he spoke it. Everything he has ever said and will ever say is true. When God says we share abundantly in comfort, we share abundantly in comfort. There is life in this book. I don't know how many times I've come to a meeting and some brother or sister has shared a passage and it's immediately brought comfort to me. The Bible is not just some masterful musings on how to live life. It is the I am's very words written to you. Unbeliever, what do you have? Self-help books that were written by men fully incapable of helping themselves? Words of wisdom from the unwise? Turn to Jesus and you will know true comfort. Second, the believer has the life of Christ. The believer can look at the life of Christ and see how he provided comfort to people. Jesus provided physical comforts to people. So Jesus healed people. Look at Matthew 8. Matthew 8:14. 8, it says, "And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever." He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. And we see that throughout the Gospels, Jesus healing people. Some of you may say, oh, those healings were miracles. 
Those were miracles. Brethren, there are people here that have witnessed or experienced miraculous healings. My youngest daughter was born almost three months early, and there were many praying for her. I remember the doctors looking at the x-ray of her lungs, holding it up and looking at it, and I asked them, what are you doing? You know, what's going on? And they said, see that x-ray there? See those lungs? She can't breathe on her own. She's breathing on her own, and we can't explain it. I could. It was a miracle. It was a miraculous healing. Jesus still heals physical ailments. Jesus fed people. Um, if we look at Matthew fourteen thirteen, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and looking the fi- taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Now in my notes it says to read about George Mueller, but I left my my story about George Mueller over my chair, so you're going to hear me say it. Um, there is a an account of George Mueller who, um, um, for those who don't know, he he ran orphanages. Um, he what they call him the the thief of the street child or something like that. Basically, he helped kids on the streets and brought them into orphanage, and um, he lived by prayer. He, he just lived by prayer. And there was this morning where um, he had the children. There were three hundred of them get prepared for the morning meal, and they didn't have any food at all. They were completely out of food. They were out of milk, all of that. And he had them sit at the tables, give thanks for the food they were about to receive, and there's no food there. And then there's a knock at the door, and he opens it, and it's a baker. And he says, George, I, I couldn't sleep all night. I knew I needed to. I knew you guys needed some food, and so I was up early this morning baking bread. I've got all these loaves of bread for you. Well, they go about to start eating the the uh, bread. There's another knock on the door. A milk truck had overturned in front of, or broken down in front of the house, and it was going to take too long to fix it, so the milk was going to spoil. So the, the driver of the milk truck says, I've got all this milk. I see it's an orphanage. I don't want the milk to spoil. Could you guys use some milk? And then they brought in all these cans of milk to, to feed to the children. And so, again, another miracle that the Lord had provided this food, this need, this comfort in a time for these children. Jesus provided, so Jesus still provides us physical food. It's still the same Jesus. The same Jesus that was there walking the earth is the same Jesus today. He also provided emotional comfort to people. If we go back to Isaiah... 
Verses 3 through 4. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So that's a, a picture of Jesus there, understanding the sorrows, carrying our sorrows for us. Um, if we look at this is, it's kind of difficult to find an exact um, description of, of Jesus providing emotional comfort because those are words that really aren't spoken in the, the New Testament, but you have to read what's going on to, to get at that. So Matthew fifteen twenty one through uh, 28, um, the faith of a Canaanite woman. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. She's obviously distraught. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And then it goes down, and then um, in verse 28 it says, Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So we see God, we see Jesus healing someone. He's not healing the person that came to him, but it's providing, he's healing her daughter and it's lifting up her spirit. It is providing her comfort. And so we see that throughout the Gospels. Um, one that seems, it may seem a little, uh, um, interesting. Jesus calms a storm. You have the disciples there in Matthew eight twenty three, um, and they went and woke him, saying, "Save us, Lord! We are perishing." They're they're frightened, and Jesus rebukes the storm and calms it. Um, I was once traveling on my way to Arkansas, and there was this line of of uh, tornadoes that matched my route almost perfectly. <laughs> I mean, it was like every town I was coming to, there was a tornado headed that way. And I remember texting Angie going, um, you know, I don't know what to do because if I pull over, you know, I don't have anywhere to pull over, what do I keep doing? And so there were, there were several people just praying for my safety, and it was just amazing. As I drove, it's just I missed that tornado each time. It was the, the same tornado that went through Jeff City a year or so ago. Um, it was, I just missed each one. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know how the Lord did it. How He slowed my vehicle. How He, you know, worked out the timing. All I know is there was great comfort to me as I was driving that the same Jesus that rebuked the storm with His disciples was in charge of everything, and so I had confidence and comfort in that. And that's what I'm getting at with that. There was a great emotional comfort. There was emotional comfort from my wife who had me out on the road that. The same Jesus is in charge of it all, and we took great comfort in that. So third, the believer has the resurrection of Christ. And I think this might be one of the greatest comforts of all. So if we look at 1 Corinthians 16...
think it must be 1 Corinthians 1 or something. Pretty sure I typed in the wrong thing. I apologize. What's that? That must be what it is. Nope. There's Corinthians 15. Yes. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. It says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. For the Christian, Jesus conquered the greatest trial man has ever faced, death. What can bring you more comfort than knowing Christ defeated death? The unbeliever spends a lifetime pursuing comforts that he knows are temporary. The unbeliever doesn't, doesn't have a belief in anything beyond that. They know they're temporary. But Christian, you know that whatever comforts you are given are temporary, and they pale in comparison to the comforts you will experience eternally. So you know that there's something greater than these temporary comforts. So finally, why does he comfort? Why does God comfort us? So back to our text that we're looking at. If we look at verse 4, it says, Who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And then skipping down to verse 6, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. The God of all comforts, provides for his dear children so that they can comfort others. Your comfort, when you are being comforted, it is not an end in itself. Whatever form of comfort, physical or emotional or spiritual, any comfort, it is intended to be shared with other believers. If you look at that again, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So, how does this look practically? Well, it can be as simple as sending a brother or sister a card with some encouragement, a handwritten note of encouragement. This is something that God has taught me throughout the week, sending it to them. That, that can be a huge comfort. Calling a brother and praying with him. Actually praying over the phone with another brother, saying, you know, I, I, I know this is going on or something like that. Let's sit here and let's pray. I'll, I'll lead you in prayer. 
telling a sister something positive that her kids did that day. That can be a huge comfort. You know, I, I, saw, I saw your kid, you know, help this one out whenever this was going on, and that, you know, that was just, you know, a really good thing. That can be a comfort to somebody. Supplying a meal to a family without being asked. Um, the Lord put this on my heart that um, I could share this with you this week. So here it is. Those are comforts. Um, there's many more, but it's, a, it's a, a simple practical application that God has blessed you with a comfort so that you can bless others with a, with a comfort in, in turn. Uh, I'd like to close looking at uh, 2 Corinthians at the end of the book. And if you're ever looking for when I said, uh, you know, writing a card of encouragement, Paul does a really good job of that in his letters. So at the very end, 13, verse 11, it says, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So as we close today, um, I just want that, that uh, final greeting to be in your hearts. That um, aim for restoration and comfort one another. Um, because we have the God of all comforts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your providence and everything, Lord, for uh, the word you put on somebody's heart that they share, Lord, uh, for uh, just sustenance, Lord, physical and spiritual. We thank you for this time that we have, uh, though it may be limited, that we do have this freedom to come together and uh, be in your presence together, Lord, to, to greet each other, to worship together. And we thank you for that mercy you've extended to us at this time. We thank you for uh, your blessings, Lord. We pray that throughout the week that um, your children, your church will be on our hearts and our minds, that uh, you'll bring something to our mind to pray about or to uh, look in on a brother or sister and to share those comforts with them, Lord. All these things we uh, ask and, and uh, praise in your name, Lord. Amen. David, have something? Or? Um, 
I was thinking just uh, on a couple of the things that Darren shared there um, about how the word is what we find comfort in, the very word of God, and how that can be used then to share with others. Um, and something one brother uh, shared one time that's been so helpful you know, when someone's going through a trial or you're wanting to share something, sometimes there can be a bit of a sense of, I don't know what I can share. What could I say to them that would really comfort or help help them in the trial? And he said, you don't have to think of anything profound to say. Everything profound has already been written in the Word. You just need to share that with them. And what a, what a help of freedom it is that we don't have to diagnose every problem and know exactly the right word to say. But what has the Lord given you? What has been an encouragement to you? What does the word of God say? That is going to be something that will be a blessing and a help, a balm to their soul. And so that's, that's an encouragement to all of us um, just in thinking about how we interact with one another um, you know, if you're in the Word regularly, what's the Lord been what's the Lord been encouraging you with? It's not that every encouragement that you get has to be posted on Facebook or shared with everybody. It's it's not that. But is there been any encouragement? Then be be ready to share that with another brother or sister, that it might be a comfort to them as well. And certainly, these times after our meetings are a good time for that. It's uh, just 11.20 right now, you, you all are welcome to linger as long as you'd like and fellowship together. It's actually a pleasant day outside if anyone wants to step outside and visit or wherever, but just an opportunity that we have to share with one another, encourage each other.